This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can you hear me okay? Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got, I've got a fantastic entrepreneur for you today, Alex. Minicucci, uh, based out of California, and um, he's an entrepreneur. Gets started in the tech business, and he's doing a lot of interesting things around software business. But he's also got a lot of interesting ideas around mindset and just flourishing as an entrepreneur. And I love to talk with him, pick with pick his brain. And so, Alex, welcome. Hey, thank you, Christopher. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show today. Yeah. So I know we were talking backstage, and like I said. Um, I'm always fascinated with people's backstories and how they got to be successful and once they were, what they're doing. So tell the audience about your journey and we'll dive right into it. Well, I'll, I'll start uh, you know, as an adult, young adult, 18 years old. I started Cal Poly, the local university, as a mechanical engineer. And uh, I actually was living in my car for the first few months of that. I, I, I didn't have enough money to get a dorm room or anything. I was looking for work. And as, as you can expect, as an engineer, I was very shy, uh, but I was looking for anything I could find. So I got a job at a telemarketing firm. I was not a tech guy. I was not a software guy. I was not a business guy, but um, but I just knew I needed work. So I got I managed to get a job, get hired that first day. And my first day on the job, they sits me down at a computer. This is 1996. We didn't have computers at every desk, but I had a stack of index cards and a phone. He says, call these people and sell them network servers and equipment. <laughs> and and all I know is that for eight hours straight, I didn't make a single phone call. Um, it was probably still to this day the most terrifying day of my life. And I, I remember cycling through the index cards, trying to find a friendly sounding name. And uh, oh, Susie Smith, she'll be nice. And I dial, hello, terrified. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible. Day. I didn't make a single successful phone call. So I left that day thinking, all right, I'm going to get fired. This didn't work out very well. But I had an idea for uh, something related to this internet thing that was starting to get popular in 1996. And it's funny for a lot of young people. There was a time when we didn't have this internet thing. So uh, I went to the local library and I printed out a little two-page business plan. And it was basically the yellow page model, but online. Because, you know, there weren't search engines yet. There was no Google. There was a time before Google. So... Uh, I printed it out. I came in the next morning and said, hey, boss, can we talk? He goes, yeah, Alex, we got to talk. So we go into his office and he says, I really like it, man. Like you're your personable guy. You seem smart, but you didn't make a single phone call. This is a high performance shop. Here's your final check. Like, uh, you know, I really wish it would have worked out. And I said, hey, boss, before I go, read this. And I hand him my two page business plan. So he looks at it and goes, this is a great idea. 
I said, what do you need? I said, I need that desk, that phone, and 150 a week is all I need is a salary. We could be 50-50 partners and, and I'll build this business. So we shook hands and went back to that desk and started my first business in the tech, in the tech world. Uh, so I went out and bought a book on how to write code, um, built the website, and then I actually typed in the entire San Luis Obispo County Yellow Pages by hand. And uh, every name, address, phone number, so I had every business listed. And then for 20 bucks a month, it was clickable when having many websites. And back then, nobody had a website. So very quickly, got to market. Um, everybody needed a website at that time. And uh, a year later, I sold my half back to my partner for $150,000. So now I'm you know, 19 years old, no longer homeless, got a little cash in my pocket. And I've been a tech company serial entrepreneur since. So I've been self-employed, dropped out of college, and have been self-employed since. So that was how I just by... Um, I call it opportunity, uh, managed to get into my, my first tech business. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And you're describing the early internet days. And I remember that those days too. And it was like, people were either uh, said they were saying this was either going to go to zero or just go to infinity. It reminds me of um, now I'm talking to Gen Z and Gen Alphas and with blockchain and, you know, these, uh, this new um, asset class or this new industry, a lot of them are not they're giving up lucrative jobs at like Goldman Sachs and, you know, these investment firms and going to work for blockchain companies and, you know, going all in into these. Um, so it really reminds me of those days. I mean, when you see an opportunity like for an emerging <laughs> industry, it's kind of like, you know, the early 1900s and saying, oh, you know, uh, people might buy cars like this. Could yeah, get, get in on that. So, um, yeah. you know, some of these things are pretty cool. And I, I feel fortunate to have been uh, at the early part of that curve. Yeah. It was funny because um, people were saying nobody's going to buy anything on the internet because nobody's going to give out their credit card. And now you can get into cars with strangers. You can rent to people you'd never know uh, through, you know, through Airbnb. And just like, just it's incredible how the internet has scaled trust and just kind of built these systems, payment oh, yeah. systems too. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up. The trust part is amazing. I had an e-commerce site back in 97, 98. And we were doing like $4,000 a week online, which was a big deal back then. And, but there weren't secure server certificates yet. So, so we installed the secure server certificate. And so when you went to buy something, a little pop-up says, you're entering into an encrypted area. This will protect your data. And our sales dropped. The little lock that you see now, like nobody's seen that before. So we actually had to say, do you want to go to unsecured or secured? And people would pick the unsecured because they didn't know what it was. Like, I mean, it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> going through that that adoption period and, and i learned that about every business is is i like to break up every target market and say you've got your five to ten percent early adopters which is it's new it's cool i want it and then you've got you know your 56 70 percent that follow behind the early adopters well they work for them they approve for them and then you've got some that just don't care and so in any emerging technology you've got to understand that segmentation and so you know i try to create something new I just understand I got five to 10% early adopters going to come on board my first couple of years and then I'm going to fight for the rest later. So it's, it's, it was interesting being part of that. I love talking to tech entrepreneurs. Um, and so kind of, um, you know, talk about like the current um, work that you do now, because you have like a, you know, a software um, business in the service and how that helps, you know, your clients and what you're doing there. Sure. So after having built and, and exited six companies over the last 20 years, 
Uh, uh, this is 2018. I was, I was, I made the Inc. 5000 list. We made the Deloitte Fast 500. So I had a pretty good playbook on how to build and sell companies. So I was turning 40 in 2018, and I said, you know, I've, I've got to figure out how do I take my game to the next level, and how can I help more entrepreneurs be more successful? Because when you, when you, when you spend time you know, as an entrepreneur, it's like a club. Right where you, you know you see people like really trying to build these businesses, and I believe rising tide raises all ships, and you want to help. And and for me personally, sharing my mistakes, and I've made a lot of them, um, kind of helps me reconcile those mistakes and feel a little less bad about them. Like if I can teach people, it, it it makes me feel good. So I created what's called a, a venture studio, and at the time that term really wasn't well known, but it, I was trying to take the idea of an incubator and a venture studio and put it together where um, most early stage businesses need capital. Everybody needs capital, but but they needed more than the weekly coffee talk or um, a monthly advisory meeting. Like they really needed somebody that had the experience and the know-how to be uh, fully engaged in the success of their business. And then I was looking at the economics. When you see companies that uh, you know, they all need CTOs, CROs, CMOs. These are high dollar positions in California, very competitive positions. So you're trying to build your business and you're competing for all this C-level talent and people to build into your business. So what I did is, is I pulled my A players from my previous projects together, created my A team, and then shared that team with up and coming uh, software companies. So the scenario here would be, let's say uh, I've got somebody who's built a software platform and has an MVP. And now they're thinking, I want to raise a couple million and I want to try to scale this. So if they come to me and, and say, Alex, will you be my partner? One, I, I, I know what it's like to scale and exit. Two, I can share my CTO, my CRO, my accounting team, my support team. So most of the resources they would need to spend that money on, I've already got. So what I say is that my team's gelled, they're ready, they're excited, we can get started tomorrow, or you can spend the next year trying to raise that $2 million, but even more concerning is how to spend that $2 million. And what you find are, is particularly software company entrepreneurs, they're great at tech, they want to build their widget, they want to build their product, they don't want to build a team, they don't want to manage a team, they don't want to learn HR, they don't want to, make, they don't want to deal with payroll and insurance. And so these are all the necessary evils of building a proper business. So if I can come in and, and take some of the stress and weight of the kind of the administrative side of building a business um, as an operational partner, then, then the subject matter expert can focus on quality of product, making sure the clients are happy. We all want to market faster. Plus, you've got someone who knows how to operate the business invested in your success instead of just check writers. So it's, it's a different type of capital and a different type of partner. I'm certainly not for everybody, but um, it, it was a different model. It was satisfying to me and I, and, and hopefully to the, the, the portfolio partners that we work with. Yeah, I love that. Like I said, I love talking to um, early trendsetters and you're, you're one of them. And share a pivotal moment in your career or personal life that significantly shaped your perspective and approach. Well, certainly the, the story I gave you earlier about uh, you know getting into that business, what, what I learned about that was every moment is an opportunity. And I tell that story because I turned a firing into an investor. And, and most people, when they go, I get fired, you know, you put your head down, walk away, and, and that's it. But I knew he was a guy who liked me. He knew that I wasn't good at cold calling, but, but, but he, he, he wanted an opportunity to do business. I knew he had resources. 
And, and so, you know, and I was sitting at the desk, you know, I was having a conversation with this guy. So you look at, you know, how hard is it to make that scenario happen? And I, and I ended up being able to capitalize on that. And, um, and that kind of gave me the spirit to say, there, there are so many opportunities in life that you're presented with. If you look at from the right lens, really are opportunities to move forward in advance as opposed to what feels like a challenge or a setback. Um, when I started my venture studio, I named it Relentless. And uh, and my domain is berelentless.com. And, and when I named it, I thought, what is the single most characteristic that, that applied to my success over the years? And it wasn't genius. And it wasn't, you know, anything. It was just, it was just relentless. It was, it was finding those opportunities. It was operating with a sense of urgency and it was problem solving, you know, knowing that if I have the right people around me and the right mindset that I can get through any scenario. So, so it kind of started in early age and it's just evolved over time. And uh, I had somebody articulate to me the other day, I thought it was great. The entrepreneurial curve of uninformed optimism to informed pessimism to informed optimism again. And so most people are like, yeah, I'm going to start a business. This is going to be great. And then six months later, like, oh, this is hard. It's a lot more than I thought. It's not going as well as I thought. You never hit your forecast. You never hit your numbers. Things are always more expensive. Tech always takes longer to build. Um, and so then you're like, you're down in the dumps. And it's those people that persevere through the low and work and solve those problems and get back up through it that end up being successful entrepreneurs. So that's how I named my, my company Relentless. Oh, Christopher, I don't hear you for some reason. I think you're muted there. Let's see. Um, if most people understood what entrepreneurship was, they they wouldn't do it because it's just so <laughs> it's just so hard. And um, I love your I love your idea of relentless because um, you're talking about just execution and those people that just execute and just kind of learn and just go and just execute. Ex and it's not really the smartest people. It's really just the just the most driven. It's just like they're gonna get it. They're gonna make it work. They're gonna get it done. Um, those are the ones, you know, that's why you have Elon Musk and, and individuals such as yourself. So next question is, um, so mentorship and learning and who has been the most influential mentor in your life and what is one critical lesson they taught you? I would say my, uh, most influential mentor is a gentleman named Mark Stark, a very successful real estate broker, um, great individual, great guy to know, compassionate and interesting but driven at the same time which is a, a unique combination and uh you know when you talk to him he's thoughtful he listens he pays attention he considers all options um but at the same time won't take any bs excuses and will push you to be your best um, the best lesson i learned from him is is he talks about clarity often and it, you know when you first hear that it it, it seems like oh of course clarity when you really dig down into clarity of your own life's mission and what are your primary motivators to do what you do, um, clear, all the way down to clarity in your business model and what are your core objectives and how you align your team on those objectives, um, clarity really is everything. As he has continued to mentor me on uh, challenging me to develop my clarity, asking me why do what I do, do I really understand uh, the motivations and processes? And, uh, and and get better at articulating that mission and that clarity to other people. It's made me a better entrepreneur, it's made me a better human. So uh, his, his missions and uh, his, his guidance and mentorship there has been invaluable. 
Yeah. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do and connect with you? You know, my website is berelentless.com, uh, berelentless.com. Uh, my email address is alex, A-L-E-X, at berelentless.com. And then uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if somebody wanted to seek me out on LinkedIn, they could connect and I'd be happy to, uh, to chat with them there as well. And uh, for all the audience, let's thank Alex for coming on and a really inspiring conversation. Be sure to give him a like and follow on his socials and check out his work. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, Christopher, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the chance to be here and I appreciate what you do as, as a podcaster, sharing these opportunities and stories with people to uh, try to inspire their entrepreneurial journeys. I appreciate what you do.